This is the Freestyle Way. What's up, my friends, and welcome back to the Freestyle Way podcast. My name is Carl Powley. I'm your host, and I have a confession to make. And the confession is that the hardest part about doing these podcasts are the intros. I struggle with the intros. I usually, uh, when I film something, I like to go one take and just hit it. Um, the conversations that you're hearing here on the podcast, they're uh, not edited. It's uh, what you get. It's one take. And uh, for some reason, these intros, I'm struggling with them. This is maybe my third attempt. So I just decided to go with what was true for me right now, which is I'm struggling with it. But other than that, I am pumped. I'm pumped because uh, this podcast is really taking off. And the podcast is taking off thanks to you guys who are listening, you're sharing, you're uh, hitting me up on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, you're asking me questions, you've been engaging with the guests that I've had on the podcast, and that is awesome. And we're currently uh, moving the needle a little bit, and that's exciting, and I'm thankful for that, and uh, I'm just super pumped to be able to continue moving forward. The other thing is I've realized I say I'm super pumped a lot. In fact, when I start this interview with Jason, you'll see that I start by saying, I'm so pumped to be here (laughs) talking to you. So maybe I have to change um, that word uh, or substitute it for another one. Who knows? Regardless, today I have Jason Kalipa. He is someone I met in 2008. uh, Shortly after he won the CrossFit Games, he came out of nowhere and took the whole thing. And ever since he's been on the podium, I believe three times, and he's competed as an individual and as a team. And in addition to that, he is also someone who owns not one gym, not 10 gyms, but over 20 gyms. And this is a a chain of gyms that offer functional fitness training. And uh, he has them all around the world, in the Bay Area, in California, in Mexico, and in Asia. And he's doing amazing things. In addition to that, he has just written a book. It's titled, As Many Reps as Possible, Succeeding in Competition, Business, and Life by Making the Most Out of Every Single Minute. That is his way of operating. And he talks about developing the AMRAP mentality. AMRAP standing for as many reps as possible. And the mentality is about having focus and being able to shut out the noise uh, that is coming from the outside, grinding, uh, having a competitive edge, and ultimately getting closer to your results. And uh, in addition to him having a book out, he has gone through ups and downs like we all have. And one of his downs was when his daughter was diagnosed with leukemia. And in this episode, he also talks about that. He talks about how fitness and his training has helped him get through that and help uh, his daughter uh, get through the process of going through chemo and really struggling with this awful uh, disease and now uh, being in a place where she is healthy and doing well and they are thriving. And one of the cool things that uh, Jason has done with his book is that he is donating a portion of the proceeds to support children and their families battling pediatric cancer. So you can learn all about that if you visit jasonkalipa.com, Jason, J A S. O-N, Kalipa is K-H-A-L-I-P-A dot com. And uh, yeah, I read his book. It's an easy read. It has a couple exercises. It asks some pretty good questions, and I highly recommend it. And this is something that we dive straight into in this episode. So uh, for the next 45 minutes, enjoy this conversation that I had with Jason Kalipa, and I'll check in with you on the back end. Yeah, man. Well, dude, I'm pumped that you would take the time to sit down with me and and chat and uh i want to get into as many reps as possible amrap mentality which is your new book coming out yep uh and just learn about what what is it where did it come from and why are you so excited about it because it seems like you're passionate about it yeah of course i mean so we launched this this actually releases january 8th and the amrap mentality is really something that um 
I've developed over a lot of years. And so what happened is for a while I was trying to build a, you know, business as locations globally. I was trying to be a good husband, good father. You know, we have two children and, and I started recognizing it as I was trying to compete for the CrossFit Games, I wasn't doing a good job staying balanced in these different things. When I was at work, I was really thinking about training. Or when I was at home, I was really thinking about the CrossFit Games. And so I wouldn't find myself really doing anything well. It was just kind of everything was just kind of neutral. And so one day I was I was walking with Ashley and you know she asked me a question. I just wasn't paying attention at all. And what I was really thinking about was walking on my hands of the CrossFit Games. I remember just thinking there like, man, when I'm with her, I got to be with her. When I'm at work, I got to be at work. And I think that's where the AMRAP mentality came to be because in fitness, you know, we know an AMRAP is as many reps as possible. So I started thinking to myself, man, when CrossFit came around, they introduced this clock. That's really how I started to get results because I was racing the clock. I was pursuing this as many reps as I can get. And now imagine if I took that same mindset that I'd taken workouts, how it transformed my whole th- whole thought process from being in the gym for three hours to being in the gym for an hour and getting my butt kicked. Now imagine if I could take that into real life and start translating that into business and also um, my family time. How can I take it where when I'm with my family, I'm with them. And when I'm at work, I set everything else aside. I prioritize and I get after it. And so the AMRAP mentality really in, in to summarize is about knowing why you want to do something, uh, identifying what that focus in particular is, working hard at that particular focus and then switching gears between different focuses throughout the day. So for example, right now I'm with you, then later on I'll be with the family, then maybe I'll go work out, etc. and I'm segmenting it and so now I'm trying to maximize that time. Mhm. Yeah, so uh, the the first thing that comes up for me as as you're talking about this was that this was something that you noticed. You weren't called out so when you were walking with Ashley, you were like, oh man, I'm thinking about something else rather than just being here present with Ashley. You noticed that. Yeah. Or was that something that had been planted earlier on? Uh, was it some feedback that you got or was it was it your own it self-awareness? Was really, it was really me because I, I started asking myself, you know, I got into CrossFit competing and I won the games in 2008. And then our business went from, one location to five to 10. And our family went from just having a girlfriend when I won to now having two kids. And as all these things started to grow and the CrossFit Games became more challenging, I had to prioritize my time because I only had so much time. And the business was really important. The family was really important. And competing was really important. And so at the time, I had to say to myself, how am I going to do all these things well and win? How am I going to win the CrossFit Games? How am I going to be the best dad? How am I going to do all these things and, and be the best I can at it? And eventually, at some point, um, I had to I had to take a step back and reevaluate, which is the final phase where I could no longer do all those things I wanted to do well, and something had to fall back, and that's why I switched from being an individual to being on a team at the CrossFit Games, and then the final reevaluation, obviously, with that is when Ava got sick. It was an easy opportunity for me to say, "Hey, look." I can only have so many priorities and so much focus right now. All my attention needs to go here. Everything else needs to go away. And that's what the AMRAP mentality is about. Yeah. So it's been business, family, and fitness. Those have been kind of the three buckets that you focused on. For sure. And over the years, those have changed because you wanted to win at everything. But that being said, when you were trying to win the CrossFit Games, you had to focus on fitness and fitness took up a lot of time. Uh, and it was, you said when Ava got sick, which was two years ago? Oh, it was 2016. 2016. Yeah. yeah. So, Three uh, years ago. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's been a while. And uh, that that must have been a big change for you. Yeah. And that was the inspiration for the book. You she know, was originally. diagnosed with leukemia, by the way. Yeah. Uh, for people that don't know, which is uh, horrible <laughs> news to receive. Yeah. It's a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty bad news to receive. But you know what happened is before... In 2015, I started thinking about writing a book because at the time, we I had seen some success in business, seen some success competing, and I wanted to write a book like kind of anti, just about hard work. You know, I was traveling a lot, as you do, and I was reading these books at the airport, and they just didn't align with what I saw. You know, they would talk about working less and getting paid more or this and that, and I just didn't see that. So I wanted to write a book just about my thoughts about hard work. And then after she got sick, it re readjusted my mindset where now it was bigger than that. Now it was, I want to write a book about 
what led us to the position where that night I was able to write an email and not touch the business for months if I wanted to. Or that night I was able to write an email and if I didn't work out for three months, I'd be fine, right? Because I had built these hedges or because I had worked so hard for so many years to build a business that financially we didn't have to worry about it. So now my motivation is with this book is to make an impact on people that when times are good, to build that hedge, right? Keep chipping away and and don't be inspired to work hard because of nice watches and cars. Those are those are cool, but be inspired that that money never becomes a factor. Like it's just it's just neutral. Like if something happens to your family, you're able to take care of it. Mm-hmm. And you know, and that also goes for relationships. You know, when when life comes and crushes you, and it will eventually. You want to have good relationships around you so you could hit it and tackle it together. And I think embracing this AMRAP mentality where you're really focused on these people when you're with them, I think just helps that. Yeah, I mean, I I couldn't agree more. And I I think people struggle with this. And actually, some of the most creative people I know struggle with it. But it happened to be brilliant minds as well. Have you had to uh, deal with people like that in the business of building an empire and fitness? (laughs) Uh, You you know, as you build a business, you start to recognize there's a lot of things that you have to learn. Uh, You know, some of the biggest things that I've learned, obviously, is to learn how to delegate, which is really tough. Because you think originally you could do everything the best. And the fact of the matter is you can't, um, not only because you don't have the skill set, but also because you can't do everything the best. There, there's just too much. You don't have enough time. And um, so over the years, you know, with business, I've, I've learned a lot about, you know, because we're a very service-focused business and we have a lot of personalities and a lot of people and we've had to learn how to properly manage and articulate with them. And, and that's been, it's been a, it's been a fun challenge actually. Right. It always keeps you on your toes. Yeah, for sure. And I, I can, I can see that. Have you, have you, do you feel like you've developed a style for delegating? And if so, what, what does that style look like? How, how does Jason delegate? Uh, dude, you know, I'm probably the worst manager on the planet. And so because of that, so we have about 150 people that work at the company and only one technically reports to me. Uh, and the reason why I have it that way, maybe one or two, is because I'm just really bad at, at providing guidance and direction. So whoever these people are need to be really go-getter and they don't like to be milk or managed and they can go take care of it because if they need me to keep telling them what to do and direct them, it's really tough for me. I just don't do a good job. That's something I've had to, had to learn how to overcome and then also something I need to get better at because people do need some guidance and direction and I need to do a better job of that. That's something that I wish we had implemented earlier at our business is I wish I'd provided our team more structure, more guidance, because even though I didn't like it, they needed it and I wasn't providing it. Yeah. And when did you realize that you needed to provide more structure? Was there a moment where you felt like, okay, this is about to break and I need to change something? Well, for me, it was like 2000, this is like five years ago. We really needed financial help. Not like we had money, but we needed someone to help tell us like what was making money and what wasn't. Um, our apparel was killing it. We were doing great, but I had no idea how well we were doing as a business other than the, the bank account was trending in the right direction. I didn't know where money was going. I didn't know any of it. And it was just not something I was passionate about and not that something I had any interest in. So I would deal with it because I had to, but I wouldn't want to spend time there because I would rather try and grow the business, try and do things. So when we finally hired a CFO to come in, it was a really tough decision because I had to pay him a premium. But I'm so, so grateful I did because I knew it was the right time where I'd been in talks with this person for a long time. And then one night I just couldn't sleep. And I was so stressed about, you know, um, just the financials. Again, not because we couldn't do it, because I didn't know what was going on. And then we ended up double paying everybody on accident. And that's when I knew I was like, <laughs> I was like, we need a CFO. Yeah. So, we, need, we need someone to manage the money. So yeah, I mean, could you imagine double paying everybody and then telling them the next day, like, oh, I'm sorry. Cause like, you know, it was like, a, it was like during Christmas time. So like, it could have been like a Christmas end of the year bonus, but basically having to email everybody, text them, whatever, say, Hey, I made a big mistake or the payroll company made a big mistake. We double paid everybody. We need to pull it back. Yeah, blame it. Blame it on the, on the oh, payroll so, company. It was so bad. How, how did the people react? I mean, you know, you had people saying to me, like, I've never had so much money in my account, all these different things. And I mean, they weren't happy about it. Let's put it that way. But when, when we hired the CFO, I knew it was the right time. These things added. And then when he came in, his name is Matt. He really was like, hey, man, you're running this place like, you know, like a, uh, 
you're running this place very unprofessionally. Was that when you went from bros to pros? Yeah. Because I remember that going around your gym for a while. Can you talk yeah. to me about well, going from bros to pros? Well, I mean, basically for a long time, when we first started the gym, it was very bro-ish. It was very... Um, you know, it was just a bunch of gym rats and, you know, we were changing people's lives and it was going great. But when you go from one location with X amount of expenses to two to three to four and you're scaling, then all of a sudden we signed a, a major deal with a company called Western Digital that really transformed our business. It, it wasn't a game anymore. You had a real liability, real risk. And and um, I wish I had, I had gone from bro to pro or box to business earlier because I think it would have helped us. Uh, and I think one thing I've learned through this business is that even though it's a fun business and even though I love it, it's still a business and it comes with a lot of risk and a lot of liability that if we don't manage it effectively, could could could, could crumble you. Yeah. And for people that don't know, Box is what uh, Greg Glassman, the founder of CrossFit, used to call the gyms or still calls the gyms. And and you you have Box to Business. That's a nonprofit. Uh, yeah. Is that still alive or no, is that something you, we you were doing We did some seminars for a while with uh, JP from Brick just as a way to kind of give back to the community. We don't really do them anymore. We kind of do offshoots of different stuff. But um, yeah, the idea was just to come in and say, hey, look, we're we're not just a box. We're a business. Let me let us give you some tools and we would donate all the money to pediatric cancer. Yeah, that's amazing. That's cool. Uh, so let's, let's go back a little further. So were you always athletic? Yeah. Um, well, let me rephrase that. Yeah. Were you always into physical training and fitness? Yeah. I mean, I've always enjoyed training. I, I, I remember as a young kid, I would race BMX bikes and I was, I was highly competitive and, and good. And I would be on rollers, which are basically like this thing, this thing you put on your bike on so you could pedal and it doesn't go anywhere. And I'd be on rollers just in my garage bumping Blink-182 when I was in, who knows, sixth grade, seventh grade. And because I was trying to get better at, at conditioning. And I liked the idea of fitness where if you put in the work, you see the results in terms of back in BMX. If I put in all this work, then I was faster on the track. And that was cool for me to see. Then when I graduated, you know, when I went into high school, I started seeing the results of weightlifting and things like that. I think if I had had a little bit more guidance on my strength conditioning earlier, and if maybe I'd stuck, uh, gotten into football and other sports earlier, it would have transformed what I did in college. But um, I'm happy with the path that I took. Yeah, that's interesting. So you were you you got into it through BMX, and that's an alternative sport, kind of a freestyle sport. And then you went into the more traditional sport. Why didn't you stick with BMX? Why? What what got you to to get into more traditional sports? Was it the team? Was it because that's the spirit in the school? What's the deal? So I got into BMX because kids around our neighborhood were into it. And I got into it maybe at the age of like 10, um, maybe, I mean, pretty young. And I became highly competitive. I mean, national, sponsored, you name it, right? And so then the way BMX works is that you have novice, intermediate, expert, and then you turn pro at 16. And so I became expert, right? So that's the highest level you can get, you know, 14X, 15X. And then when you go to 16, then you could turn pro. And Around that time, when I was in seventh and eighth grade, I started getting a lot of injuries, and that's when I had to shift. And so, were you getting in, the injuries from falling? Yeah, yeah. So, like in seventh grade, um, or maybe I was in like maybe I was like twelve. I broke my collarbone. That was really bad. Um, racing, I just flipped over the handlebars, and my helmet actually broke my collarbone. And so, I still have like. Um, Anyways, like a plate or something. In yeah, there. like it, they fused it together. It was kind of funny because in in height, you know, in seventh, sixth grade or whatever, they make, they put you in like this bra looking thing to keep your shoulders back. It's pretty embarrassing when you're like a sixth, seventh grader. But anyways, so I broke my collarbone, and then that that same year, a little bit later, I ended up really messing up my face, and I and I had to have like reconstructive surgery on my nose and different stuff because I was hitting what's called a rhythm section. That's multiple jumps in a row, and I I packed one, which means your wheel hits it. And so I didn't have enough speed. And I just basically just my head rammed into the next one. And what happened was my mom had like a real conversation with me like, Hey, look, this is really injuring you. This is, and it was a dangerous sport. And right around that time, I, I got into high school and I found football. Let's and get you into the other concussion sport. Yeah. <laughs> but like with football, there was camaraderie, there was teamwork with BMX. One of the things that I, I, I wish, you know, there was just very little camaraderie. It was very much so an individual sport, which I think carried over well and d- developed some mental skills for me because you're on the gate, 
right? With eight other guys, seven other guys, and boom, you got to go. And I think there's something about individual sports I think is really, really beneficial. But I also think team sports are extremely important. And I think a blend of both is exceptional. That's what I want for our children. Which, which eventually you start, you went into an individual sport, which was CrossFit. Right. And how did you find CrossFit? So in, so I started working at a conventional gym when I was 14, 15 years old. So I guess I, you know, or 15 years old, the front desk and like on the weekends and, uh, uh, during the summer. Then when I turned, uh, 18 and I went to college, I got a sales job. And so when I was there, I met this gentleman, his name's Austin Begeebing, who, you know, and he introduced me to CrossFit and we would just check it out on CrossFit.com and got all excited about it. Yeah, that's amazing. So when when you were a teenager, you're working at the at the gym, what was your first job at the gym? Front desk. Front desk. So yeah. you, you were checking people in. Checking people in, selling Gatorades, you so, name it. So when did you go into full-on membership sales? Uh, as soon as I graduated from high school. Okay, so you graduated from high school. And when you got into sales, uh, that's where you, you tell a story that I've, I've seen you tell a couple of times where you, you were wondering how you could one day become an owner of a gym. Yeah. And, and, and that's where you started thinking that, okay, I have to start acting like an owner today. Yeah. No, it was actually the, the, my, my, the boss my, at the time. His name is Joe Gigantino. Super, super great guy. Him and this other gentleman, Min, really took me underneath their wing and told me so much. But I worked there for a long time selling gym memberships all throughout college. At first, I went to a junior college because I was messing around in high school and I didn't get into the college I wanted to. So I went to a junior college, but I was still working at the gym and uh, I would meet with this gym owner. So at the time I would um, go to school in the mornings and then around like three till four, I'd work out or whatever. And then from five to seven or eight, I would sell gym memberships because that's when all the walk-ins would come in. Right. And then at night, I would either work on a clothing company that we started with a few friends, which didn't go anywhere. It was called Faded Lifestyles. I think I've seen the boy band picture somewhere. Yeah. It was called Faded Lifestyles, a nightclub. Faded as in like high? Yeah. Faded as in like like drinking. And man, (gasps) I learned a lot about business from that experience though. However, um, like twice a week, I would meet with the gym owner on the elliptical. And while I was on the elliptical, I would pick his brain about business, financials, forecasting, sales. And one night I was just like, hey man, I'm just letting you know I really want to start my own business. I really want to be an owner one day. And he just looked at me just like, if you want to be an owner, act like an owner and just left. And that really resonated with me because I think sometimes I found myself at the time uh, wanting the position before I acted that way or wanting the money before I did something, right? And instead, what he was saying is, look, well, look, dude, like, what do you think? I'm just, you're just going to get the owner position and all of a sudden you're going to start instantly acting that way. No, you need to start acting that way today and you will get that position. Can't put the cart before the horse. And that was a really powerful conversation that I don't even remember. I don't even know if he remembered having it with me, but it, it resonated forever. Yeah, I think that's pretty, when, when you have mentors and people that uh, influence you, most times the influencer doesn't know the impact that they're making in your life. So for sure, probably he doesn't remember, but it's cool that it was a big deal for you. Yeah. And did, did that, when, when you were first training at the gym, you were just doing bodybuilding stuff, I assume, but then you transitioned into CrossFit thanks to Austin. Did you start competing right away or was it more just the excitement of uh, learning new movements and yeah, what, what was that like? It was a little bit of both, right? I mean, so at first I didn't quite get CrossFit. I didn't understand the intensity, I didn't understand the effort. And then what happened with me is um, I started seeing some of these YouTube videos of OPT and this other guy, Bionic in Florida. This was old school, right? You'd watch these videos and that was when you're on .com and you'd put like male 200 pounds, whatever, you know, and you'd put your score underneath the comment section. And so I started after OPT won in 2007 CrossFit Games, I started kind of battling these guys on YouTube battles and we would do the workout and then we'd kind of battle them. And that, that's kind of the way it started. It was, it was a fun way to, it was a cool way to make fitness more fun. Yeah. So that's an, actually an interesting part there because you were starting to battle people online, which is very interesting because it's almost like gaming nowadays yep. where it's happening online and then people are talking to each other. But then what happened was at, at CrossFit was making a movie. Sevan was making a movie. I can't remember who he was partnered with, but every, every, every second counts, yep. this documentary. And they were following all these individuals. And then you ruined the movie. Oh, yeah. I ruined it. yeah. <laughs> you ruined the movie by, by showing up from nowhere, it seemed like, and winning the CrossFit Games in 2008. Yeah. You know, in particular... We had met uh, 
you know, Austin had told Savon, like, hey, man, you should watch this guy. And, you know, at the time, he, he just had the guys he wanted to interview. And on the final event of, of the CrossFit Games, I was in, like, 10th place. And the way that year went, which was so cool, it'll never happen again, but it was so cool because the time domains were all very similar, was whoever won that event won the whole thing. And they, they started you off at different times. So Spieler started, and then I went, like, a minute and a half behind him right? Because my cumulative time was that much more or less, whatever. And that was really, really tough because you're sitting there watching these guys go one by one by one, and you're just waiting, you know, chomping at the bit to get on it. And that was a, that was a really, really cool, um, that was by far one of the top top CrossFit experiences. Yeah, that, that was pretty amazing to, to watch. And it must have been a pretty defining moment in in your life yeah i mean if i knew it now i mean it it really sparked a lot i mean that that single thing i mean i had signed a lease on the hood of a car like three days before that for a gym then i won the games and i just proposed to my then girlfriend and so a lot was happening right then and and uh looking back on it that was a really pivotal moment in my life yeah so 2007 2008 you are doing business, you are getting into fitness, and you're starting to build a family. So those three buckets 11 years ago were really starting to solidify, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, because my wife and I, we got together when we were 14, and then we got engaged, you know, we got engaged in 2008, we got married in 2009, and we had our first child in 2011. Wow. So since you were 14, you've been together. Uh, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15. There are a lot of changes that happen from the age of 15 to your thirties. Oh yeah. How have you dealt with that? Yeah. I mean, so think about it this way. I mean, Ashley's right nearby. Uh, we've been together 18 years. I've been on this earth 33. That's right? incredible. So it's pretty crazy to think about, but I mean, a lot has changed, but it's been, it's been really, really great. I think, I think people who meet a young age, you know, you either grow together, you grow apart. And I think we've been really fortunate to grow uh, together and, and, you know, kind of support each other and be there. And obviously when Ava got sick, it was a really great opportunity for her and I to kind of like team up and attack something together. And we did. Now it could have been a great opportunity for us to fall apart too. Um, I shouldn't use the term great opportunity, but it could have been a situation where we could have fallen apart, but instead it was a, it was a situation that we overcame and actually became closer over. Right. So from a mindset perspective, I remember an interview of you. They were asking you about the CrossFit Games in 2009. And I think you were getting married in 2009 as well, right? Yeah, the week after. Yeah. So you were actually worried for a while that it may coincide and it may be on the same weekend. Yeah. So that could have been uh, a factor that could have changed your career in fitness and the way that things would have gone down in CrossFit. Yeah, it's a really interesting point you just made. I haven't even thought about that in years. But I remember they were interviewing me and they were talking about 2009 CrossFit Games. And at the time, my wife and I were um, talking about what the date would be for the wedding. And she was very clear about it. Uh, the hotel we wanted to be at, you know, they don't have every weekend available. You set your date and that's it. And, you know, CrossFit at the time didn't put out notice, you know, a year in advance, right? They put it out short term. And it was, it was a very well-known thing that, hey, if the CrossFit Games are on the same weekend as the Games... Like, or if the, excuse me, if the if my wedding was on the same weekend as games, then like the CrossFit Games are not happening for me that year. So that's <laughs> the, the reason that's interesting for me is that when it comes to decision making and mindset, you it was obvious to you that you were going to prioritize family in that oh, moment, right? That yeah. was that was obvious. Yeah, I mean, look, would it bum me out a little bit? Sure, but at the time, I mean, it was never even a. It's, it's not even a thing, you know. It's just it's like getting married to the person you really care about or you could go compete in a, in a competition. It's like, if you had to choose, you got to do what you got to do. Now, that being said, I, I ended up competing and then the following week I had poison oak for the wedding, which wasn't that much fun. Yeah. That's right. From the run. Yeah. From the run. Oh, I remember that. I yeah. remember you, you tell me about that. The, the thing that I was just thinking about right now though is, is 2008 must have been a big year for you because you uh, made a name for yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you started calling yourself an athlete probably. Yeah, I, 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 at that point, who knows? But yeah, sure. But you went on to do 10 years yeah. of competing, yeah. and whether it was individual or 
or as a team, and you've had really good results. Yeah. So you've been an athlete for a long time and a competitive athlete. How much has you prioritizing fitness affected your family life? I mean, I think in the beginning, it wasn't that big of a deal because it was just my wife. It was me. It was, it was good. Once we had our daughter, then it started to add a little bit of additional strain. And then once we had our son, there was even more strain. And then at some point, it just became too much. And so we had our daughter in 2011. We had our son in 2014. And I competed every year, all year. Because what happened is towards the end of my career, like 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, I, I was invited. You know, you do the Open, you do regionals, you do the games. And then I would get invited. Invitational to represent the United States in the Invitational. And so you're basically, you know, training year-round for this sport. And, um, you know, it took a toll. And I don't think I really realized the toll it took on the family until you look back on it. There's a lot of stress. Like, you think like, oh, look what I'm doing. I'm putting myself... But actually, you don't realize that when you're out there struggling, I mean, imagine the loved ones that actually care about you and imagine the stress that puts on them. And... So every year we would have a we would have a talk and I'd say hey you know how do you feel about me going at it this year how do you feel about this and it, it kind of in the beginning was like oh yeah let's go then it was like oh, let's go let's go and then it kind of turned like hey look I I don't know maybe another maybe another two years hey maybe another year and then it got to the point like hey look like it's you you got you got one more year and then you got to go team and right. then and then obviously when Ava got sick that was that was a that was a that wasn't a decision. That yeah, was, and I, th- a- <laughs> I think that this is, this is interesting because it, it was a joint decision, and it seems like every year after the games, you guys had a little meeting. Yep, and you got together and you did this as a team. Was this something that you grew into, or that was crystal clear from the beginning? That was pretty crystal clear. From does the that beginning. come from your family, your friends? Had you modeled that behavior? Where does that come from? I don't know. I mean, that's a great question. I don't know. I mean, for me, it just, there was never another option. Meaning like, we're in this together. Like uh, we, we got married, we have a house together. Like we are, we are one, like we are still one right now. And, you know, a decision, my decisions impact you just like your decisions impact me. And when it's a big decision like this, we need to talk it through. I mean, every year deciding to compete in the CrossFit Games is the same as, you know, every year deciding to, I don't know, if, if you want to go, just, a, a, it's a big decision and it, it warrants a lot of conversation. And I think that anybody who has a spouse or a girlfriend or whatever and isn't having that conversation, whether they like what the other person has to say or not, they should at least be having the conversation because then at least the other person feels more vested in, in the decision and that then you could feel more comfortable going out there and executing on it and not feeling like there's resentment being built up from your partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big one. Tanya and I, we try to talk as much as possible. And now we're in business together as well. We, we work together. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a tricky one. Do, do you guys work together? What, what kind of relationship do you guys have now in relationship to the business specifically? Well, we used, uh, years ago, she would help with the billing. Uh, but now, you know, she really helps the kids and she's mainly on the philanthropic arm of like what we're doing. And so she doesn't have any involvement in the day-to-day business. She does travel for the company and then she does all the philanthropic stuff. So she hosts a really big event every year called Ava's Kitchen and that's really her jam. So she's found her calling with philanthropic and I kind of am over here on the NC Fit side. Yeah, we're, we're going in the same direction. So it, it's it's interesting to see that, that that's happening. So when Ava was diagnosed and she got sick, where were you in your athletic career at that time? So we had, so I, I, I was on the podium in 13, 14, it was, 14 was great. And then that next year we decided to go team and we ended up taking 10th of the games. Uh, Miranda ended up tearing her ACL and so we ended up getting 10th. Who knows what we would have gotten if she hadn't torn, it's irrelevant. After those games, obviously, I needed to do a reevaluation and say, hey, am I ready for another year? Being on a team was a lot different. It, it, it was just a totally different dynamic. The stress was a lot less. I was able to do the things that I wanted to do to help the team out because at the time, there were six people. Yeah, you were kind of acting as a coach a Yeah, I was bit. acting as a coach, but- You had uh, Austin working with you. You had a mindset yeah. coach. You had the whole thing, but you were also like the, the team captain. Yeah, but I was able to do the things I want to do. So like if I wanted to really lift, I could lift more and I didn't have to spend so much time doing things that I sucked at because of other people on the team that support me, right? So that was cool. Uh but then in 2016, January was when Ava got sick. And so the open started in February. And so it was just like a, it was just like a, like a no brainer. Like there's just, you're not signing up for the open. So right. that was it. So once again, family takes priority. 
and it jumps up to the top, especially in this moment where you're in a team, uh, but you, Ava's sick, so it's a no-brainer. You go family. Yeah, in, in that case, everything went aside. Everything. So everything. Like, family yeah, was number one. Like if you're talking about um, earlier, what we were talking about, like, yes, like with Ashley, like number one, like the wedding, that was that was an easy decision. But this one was like the easiest of all decisions, right? Like, I mean, business, gone, you know fitness gone like everything is just gone it's just right here right now in this room become the best expert i can at pediatric cancer period make sure my son's taken care of make sure my daughter's taken care of make sure i'm educating myself on this and everything else is is secondary right but then to keep my sanity of course i I was exercising on a regular basis i remember you had your equipment in a truck Uh, yeah had my equipment in the truck and that was really important to me and then obviously the business i I feel like there was very competent awesome people uh that still to this day i i really uh, I, i can't thank them enough for stepping up the way they did because it allowed me to really focus over here so what year was the year where you were you couldn't sleep and you were panicking and you double paid everyone uh i was like 2000 and 13 2014 like 2013 so you within those three years you built a business that when shit hit the fan and you had to uh, take care of the family it had a foundation that it it wouldn't crumble yeah i think yeah we did a much better job because we hired up and you know I'm, i'm forever grateful for that because for a long time you know if you want to run a profitable business you could obviously cut out certain things but i think for me i was never about like taking home huge profits i was about building something really special and having really good people running it with me but i just i hadn't solidified that i wasn't as professional as i thought i was i hadn't i hadn't realized it until i brought a professional in from a corporate environment because we weren't a corporate environment so once we brought those people in that's when it really started to, to run like a business. And I remember, you know, uh, one of our uh, business mentors name is Paul Gomez. I think you know him. He's from Progenics. We were walking down the hallway one day and he's just like, hey man, I hate to break this to you, but if you get hit by a bus tomorrow, all this is gone. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you don't own a business. You, you know, it's like a hobby. Like you're running all of it. You need to find people to, to run it. And that really kind of jump-started me delegating and finding good people to help support it, which I'm forever grateful to Paul for because- had I not done that, I don't know what would happen when Ava got sick. Yeah, because in a lot of it was running off of your personal brand as an athlete. Yeah, right. So it was very, it was very directly linked. But it seems like you did a pretty good job at hiring up, like you said, building a team, and then being able to really focus on the family when when they needed you. I I can only imagine that when Ava was diagnosed, that that was pretty scary. Y- yeah. How did you manage the fear? Well, I think you know. I think the greatest gift that fitness has ever given me and my wife is learning how to overcome adversity, period. And you're overcoming adversity in a very like low key way. Like, you know, if I'm in the garage and I go for five reps and I get four, like, oh, darn it. You know, but you learn to overcome that or you learn to incorporate positive self-talk or in the middle of the workout, hey, let's go, let's keep moving instead of these negative thoughts or you learning to what's in your control versus out of your control through fitness, through competing all these years that I competed the CrossFit Games gave me so much more than a, a medal or money. What they gave me is a mental capacity that when life throws you a curveball, you're able to react to it because you had all these years of of learning how to overcome it through situations that aren't as dire. And I think that played a huge factor for Ashley and for myself. And I'd recommend anybody to take this concept of getting comfortable with uncomfortable and just incorporate it into their life not because they're for any other reason than just when life does get uncomfortable, they'll have the mental capacity to overcome it. And that could be as simple as an ice bath to, you know, going swimming when you're afraid of the water. Like you, but if when you overcome it, then it starts building up these set of skills. Mm-hmm. So what's what's changed in you uh, as a person in your values and the way that you see the world since um, that day? Uh, I mean, I think I'm I'm a lot more compassionate, um, closer to my our family, and my perspective and my gratitude is significantly different. So, like, if you had met, you know, not that I was ever a, like I'm not like a different person, but my my perspective shifts. So like today, I was at the hospital, and my daughter was getting blood work, and we go back once a month, so it's not that big of a deal. 
But, you know, you're walking in there and you see all these kids, no hair, masks on, super sick. I mean, and it just humbles you. And when you leave there and you see someone getting super upset over something, you can't help but just think to yourself, man, I wish that person could have seen some of these things to shift their perspective because in reality, that's not that big of a deal. But then on the other hand, what I've learned is that my worst is not any better or different than somebody else's worst. It's still the worst to that person. It's our job as a group to support them. That's where like there's these push and pull. Even though I feel like my perspective has shifted so much because I've seen so many dark moments, I don't expect that on anybody else because maybe they haven't had those life experiences or, or maybe they're not ready to take that on and, and recognize that they are in a good place, right? Like you were talking about being in the middle of the ocean, recognizing that there there is a lot of good going on. And once I realized that everything I do, it just, it occurs a lot more ease than it used to, right? Because when your back's up against the wall in the ICU and it's life and death, there's very few things then on a day-to-day basis can bring you to that same level. So it changes that perspective. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. I, I, I can't relate because I had, haven't had a kid who's been sick like that. But I, I can understand what you're saying and I can empathize with it. Yeah. Um, for sure. So now looking back, you've found success in business and you're continuing to strive for success, whatever that means. Uh, you found success uh, in fitness. Yeah. You won the CrossFit Games. You've been on the podium several times. You made money through through the sport, and you have a beautiful family uh, that are here. What are the things that you, in looking back right now, have learned translate across the board from business to fitness to family? What are the the things that you you feel are common common grounds? Uh, I mean, I think I, I think it goes back to like this concept of wanting to be the best version of what we can get to and, and not having regrets that, that you could have been better. Meaning like when I look at my competition career, I truly feel like every day I did the best I could to put in the work. And I feel like I did the best I could to compete that I have no regrets. I have nothing. I, I feel like I reached my potential and that's what I'm trying to do in each facet of my life with the business. It's, it's, you know, I had a talk with Ashley about a year ago and I said, babe, look, we, we were financially secure. We could do this, we do that. But I'm just letting you know that I don't feel like we've reached our potential as a business to impact people's lives, to provide for other people. And I don't know if I'm going to be happy being okay here, but if, but if that's what makes you happy, then I'm okay with it, right? And she's like, no, let's go for it. But that was a conversation we had to have because if we're going for it, that means I need to give sacrifices elsewhere, right? I've been on the road a hundred days this year and- you know, what is that? What impact does that have on my family and how do I combat that? However, when I talk about our children, it's the same thing. It's like, I want to make sure I'm reaching my potential on a regular basis and having these daily check-ins. And I think if I could do that with my business, my family, my fitness, and constantly have you evolving, then I mean, there's not much to regret when you're 80 years old and you're looking back and you're just asking yourself, did I reach my potential? Yeah, I think that's a great Great question to ask. So, is there a mission? Do you have a mission that you're you're on? What like what what's Jason Kalipa doing? I mean, like from a mission, Besides, vision, all that kind of stuff. From a from a business perspective, we have all that. Yeah, what's but the I mean, mission what, at the business? Well, I mean, but from a personal, it's 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 really changed since the stuff we've seen. I mean, for me, I I've never been more motivated to build the biggest business. Ever. And I want to build it and I want to keep building it and I want to keep doing what's right because I want to provide for people. I want to impact people's lives. But most importantly, with more money, with more reach, it creates opportunity. And, you know, when we see all these families suffering in the hospital, it's through this business that we can make an impact on them and an impact on other people. And I think that's why I'm inspired to continue to work is, is because of that. So my mission moving forward is continue to build a business, continue to make an impact on that. But with the byproduct being, hey, how do we produce this book? How do we how do we do charity events so that we could give families put smile on their faces when they're having really, really tough times? Like right now, 
that's what I'm really focused on. Yeah, and I think that's something that you've done really well where I believe that it's almost like a tripod. There are three legs. There's your passion, the thing that you really love doing, and you're doing it every day. You're in the business of fitness. You practice fitness. Uh, then there's your profession, which is also happens to be in fitness and the service. And then there's vocation, which is how you're giving back to the world. And it seems like you're, you're doing that. And it's pretty amazing that this very scary thing that has happened to you guys has brought clarity to that. And then on top of this tripod, you, you have this mission balance, which is uh, some sort of contribution. W- what does it look like in 20 years from now? Like, what does the business look like? And what, 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 what does Jason, what does yeah. he, he do on a daily? You know, I've always said this, you know, people ask, what's the exit with the business, right? And right now I'm not thinking necessarily about the exit because I enjoy what I'm doing. I enjoy the people I'm doing with and I like what we're doing and it's fun. Once it, once it starts impacting other areas of my life, if it adds so much stress that it's impacting my relationship with my wife, if it adds so much stress that it's impacting my relationship with my children, then I'm obligated to kind of pivot and shift. What does that look like? Who knows? But I think what I'm going to be doing 20 years from now is going to be, I'm still going to be working hard. I'm still going to be doing something. And I'm still going to be something that gives me purpose. And right now, it's the gyms, the book, and helping families. So I assume it'll be the same thing 20 years from now. But if it's not, I'm okay with that. I'm comfortable. I'm comfortable shifting with where I'm going as long as I'm still finding um, fulfillment in what I'm doing with the work that I'm doing because I'm not going to stop working. And would I like to open up a coffee and wine bar? Yeah. I really like coffee and I like wine. And why would I want to start it? Because I think some of our family would be able to work there. I think it'd be a really cool atmosphere. And I want to create a place where people can network and get to connect to each other and, and have good meals and, and you know make it cell phone free. You know, But that would be fun. But that's 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 it's not the top of my priority in terms of business. That would just be something that I would be passionate about. Right. So, uh, <laughs> is there a number of gyms you need to open to be able to uh, go there? No, you know, and even with numbers of gyms, you know, like when you go from one to two to five to ten to twenty, you start thinking like, oh, is there a number? But there is no number. Like we haven't franchised, we haven't licensed, we we don't have that purpose in mind to build something to then exit, right? And so there is no number that I have in mind other than open when it makes sense. You know, if it makes sense, let's do it. If it doesn't make sense, let's not do it. Right now we're, we're releasing our digital app and uh, we've had it for a while, but now we're going to release it as a paid version because it made sense. But we didn't doubt, we didn't create the app to make money from it. We created the app for our member experience. And so we've had it for over a year and it's improved our member experience. But now we look at it like, well, to pay for the app, let's just roll it out to other people. And uh, that's normally the way we do things, right? Is we do it for ourselves, we do it for our members, and then if it makes sense, we pivot. Right, and that, is that how pivoting or scaling? Scaling, yeah. I mean, you could call um, corporate wellness like a pivot, right? Like you're doing something really well over here, you find companies that you think could do it as well, and you pivot to the, or you have two verticals, right? Because you're helping companies uh, create their corporate wellness program by uh, creating gyms in In, their, in their locations, in their locations all over the world. Yeah. Like our newest ones, Lucas films in San Francisco. Yeah. So we run that one and then Western digital GoPro. We have other clients, but MetLife insurance, but Western digital is our biggest partner. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's the ultimate goal. So when it makes sense to open a new one, uh, you go for it. Right. Is, is there a core that people fall back on because you have the corporate vel- wellness, but you also have your own gyms? Yeah. Uh, so are those two two different branches of the business, or do they all go together? It's all it, everything's ran by. So you have a you know GNA group that runs uh, you know all the corporate, commercial, and then digital. So, so it's the like same three, service, same everything. So I mean, if you think about it, we rolled out an app for our coaches to provide them tools to coach better. Well, then we decided, man. We should start selling that to other gyms because we des- we designed it for our coaches, but now we should start selling it to other coaches because we it's helping us. Why can't it help other people? But the, it was originally focused not as like this digital revenue stream, but now it's turned into one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting. So kind of shifting gears and, and to wind it down here, bring it to a soft landing. I'm thinking about your kids right now. Oh, 
Yeah, and and I, I you know, there Ava was there playing. She'd just been in the hospital. She's she's gone through this whole whole thing. The numbers came out uh, well today. She's clean. Everything's good. All good. All good. What do you want your kids to know about you, about their dad, that they maybe not know right now? And if they were to listen to this in 15, 20 years, uh, what would you tell them? You know, I would tell them that I did the best I could for them every single day. And I try to do it in the most ethical, I try to set the best, expect. sorry to set the best um example I could for what I want them to one day be like, right? Ethical, hardworking, no one owes you anything. Go out there and get it for yourself. That's what I'd want them to do every every single day. And um, you know, ultimately, you know, something that my mom would always teach me is, you know, treat people the way you want to be treated. And I think that's really important these days and and not to get wrapped up in so much negativity, but instead just be focused on yourself, be focused on staying positive. And uh, that's it, you know? That's awesome, dude. Thank you. This has been amazing to talk to you about this. Where can people find you? How can people support you? Uh, buy the book. Well, it depends on, depending on when this airs, uh, as many reps as possible, you can find it on Amazon. Uh, pre-sales, all proceeds go to pediatric cancer. After that, a, a large portion. Uh, you can find me, Jason Kleep, on Instagram, Jason Kleep on Twitter, jasonkleep.com, uh, AMRAP Mentality, uh, Instagram, podcast amrap mentality there's a there's a lot of ways <laughs> amrap mentality it is dude thank you so much i yeah. appreciate it thanks for being on man all right brother thank yeah, you and there you have it my friends that was jason kalipa on the freestyle way podcast and for me it was fun to catch up with jason because i haven't really spoken to him in depth in a while uh, as we have gone separate ways within the fitness space and to hear everything that he's doing with NC Fit and his AMRAP mentality and the public speaking that he's doing and his podcast that he has has been uh, really fun. So uh, make sure you go visit jasonkalipa.com to learn more about him. Also, uh, if you want to get the book, it's available on Amazon. And remember that there are a portion of the proceeds that will be donated to support children and their families back pediatric cancer. In addition to that, if you found this episode to be of value, uh, you know what to do. You can take a screenshot of you listening to the podcast on your phone, or you can take a selfie of you wherever you're at, and you can post it to IG stories, Instagram stories, to Facebook, to Twitter, and you can tag at Carl Powley, myself, at The Freestyle Way, and especially tag our guest at Jason Kalipa today so he can know what you think about this interview and so he can connect with you because that's ultimately why we're doing what we're doing here. And that uh, allows us to know who we're speaking to and to engage with you at a different level, which I believe is a more meaningful level. In addition to that, guys, if you can, go review, rate, subscribe to the podcast. It helps so much and uh, it means so much to me to see what you guys think, how you feel about these episodes. And it also helps me realize what I can do to make it better. So if you guys can do that, that would be super helpful. And I would really appreciate that. And other than that, that's it. That was episode seven with Jason Kalipa. And I can't wait to be back next week with another episode and get into it. All right, my friends, have a good week. And I look forward to talking to you next time. Peace.